as you described, the, the application, as you see, of the technology and sort of the disruptive nature potentially, uh, perhaps not to the extent that others may describe, it also makes me wonder about the recent pushes for personalization of the information and ownership of the data. And you, you're probably aware of the recent general data protection regulation in Europe that by May 2018, a number of companies are going to be asked to ensure that the data that they do have of individuals, at least within the EU, they have consent to and is data that is only going to be used primarily for that regard. How do you see blockchain handling the, the idea of general data protection regulation, often quoted as GDPR? Yeah. So I think this is a, actually really quite a good opportunity for blockchains. I, I think it's a complex area. I think it's an area um, that will require a lot of experimentation, a lot of development, a lot of effort. But I think once we have it and we can leave kind of the legacy ways of doing this, blockchains will be quite, it's, it's an interesting use case. And I think what we're talking about is at the legislative level in Europe, like you're saying, is basically sovereignty over your own data. And I think whenever you have a well-established and well-developed identity system where you can sort of arbitrarily build these cryptographic challenges such that one transaction may represent consent for one particular identified piece of data, it may be very fine-grained or you may restrict it in other ways, or you may say, hey, this particular entity may have full access to my data or partial access. Those, the, the fact that we have these enormous key spaces and the ability to apply arbitrary cryptographic challenges, that, that really is a way to provide sovereignty over your own data, access control, where the person who owns the data the individual can individually say yes, no, and to what degree, and to which person. So this is a wonderful fabric to build those kinds of applications on. Are we there yet? No. We have work to do still. Brian, thank you for that. You know, what's interesting is that we're talking about two complex ideas coming together, GDPR is, is fairly a recent development uh, within uh, the context of uh, personal identification. And at the same time, we have this evolution of blockchain taking place as well. You mentioned something earlier. When you describe blockchain technologies, you describe them as, uh, what was the term you used? Sophisticated ledgers? I like to use the term sophisticated ledgers because it hasn't yet really been used. If we were to use your term as sophisticated ledgers in the, in the context of these really disruptive forces, one of, let's say, economic and geographical nature, that will have big ramifications. And blockchain as well has the ability to make a similar level of disruption in uh, the technological space. but emanating through current business models. 
When you combine these two, you could imagine that it's going to have a strong tuning fork syndrome here. Is your assessment that as these two ideas are still going to be evolving, that it would be wiser to perhaps start with established technologies, or does it make sense to immediately start thinking of blockchain and not worry about historical technologies as they think about forward uh, regulation in this space? So, again, a kind of a difficult question. Um, so, so, thinking about legacy technologies, right? I think if everyone had trusted everyone else, that if competition was not so natural for us and distrust so natural for us, then I think we would have built the applications that we needed to build decades ago. And we haven't done that yet, right? The bank would be very suspicious if the customer would be updating their own bank balance. And I think blockchains really allow us, and sophisticated ledgers and everything, they allow us to actually collaborate in, in a hostile environment. That's really what, you know, what the, the perfect example is actually, you know, Bitcoin. So, you know, whenever I think about how we should be moving forward to a certain degree, I often think about, I don't know if your audience or you have heard of Jeremy Rifkin, who is an economist based out of the University of Pennsylvania, where I did my training, who is very a very prolific sort of speaker and writer, and who has advised Germany as they've moved towards sort of a carbon neutral, carbon minimized sort of an economy, and has helped China redesign their economy as well. He, and I think in one of his books, and I'd have, I'd have to, I don't remember exactly the title, but I think it's the zero cost marginal, no, the, the zero marginal cost society and the collaborative commons, I believe. <laughs> Something, something like that. So he actually spent a lot of time thinking about how data, internet, communication networks, internet of things have been able to change the way we work and do things and also to drive the cost, the marginal cost of that additional service or that additional product or that additional activity closer and closer to zero. The title of that book includes the collaborative commons. Um, and I think what blockchain is for many of these industries is that one, one of those enabling sort of technologies that will drive us closer and closer to that collaborative commons. So instead of working side by side, duplicating things, doing things against each other, verifying things, what we have is a system where we can drop some of that away without the need for high levels of trust and sort of collaboratively work on these common pursuits for goods and services and activities that we need and want and want to do. I think what blockchain technology does, honestly, it lets us 
build the applications that we wanted to build years ago that we couldn't because of trust issues. And I think it also helps us realize this Jeremy Rifkin vision of, you know, a zero marginal cost society and a collaborative commons. And what I hope is that just like whenever we had the steam engine, we free time and effort and resources so that we can do things that add to our lives in other ways or allow us to treat more patients or allow us to treat patients better, right? So I tend not to think about legacy versus not legacy or, or new, but what I think is that blockchains lets us do things that we really wanted to do and lets us develop, you know, honestly, more favorable visions of the future. Thanks, Brian. As you described how you saw the application of blockchain to GDPR, but also to the context of the verticals, uh, in particular healthcare, do you imagine that those that are looking at the future of not only the technology, but the future of policy development are taking into account a lot of what you described up front? And do you then see this leading towards us becoming a more trusted economy? Or do you see us uh, establishing sort of a, a primary and a secondary economy as a result? What do you mean by a trusted economy? And what do you mean by a two-tiered economy? Uh, from a trusted economy perspective, if we were to take your example described earlier in our conversation around the fact that greater collaboration instantiated as a result of the blockchain technologies, which in by in part and large should be driven by greater trust in the system, then that should result in a greater trust economy as a result. The currency, the exchanges, the purchases, even the companies then derived based on that, as you noted, the applications should have a greater degree of acceptance in you are who you state you are and that the transactions have occurred as have been agreed upon. That, that's how I'm looking at the trusted economy statement. To the primary and secondary economy then, does a primary one become instantiated where those that can afford to be on the blockchain and in this trusted economy have a specific track to play in and those that can't afford to be a part of it formulate into almost an alternate or secondary economy? Does that help clarify? It does. So. I think uh, to the first point, I think that blockchain technologies, as far as you were saying about being a more trusted economy, what I would respond is that I think that blockchain technology has the ability or the potential to lubricate globally the individual transactions and interactions between individuals, between individuals and entities and organizations and vice versa. So I think overall, it will be of great benefit if 
I can read my bank statement and have a little more faith that what is there is there, right? Or that if I'm a doctor and I'm reading the medical record of a patient and I'm trying to review the, their vaccination history, that I know that what is in that record is actually really, really, really true or very close, high probability. You know, the fact that I don't have to concern myself about whether or not, or not as much, I should say, concern myself about what is true and what is not true should allow me to make decisions based on the information that I have with less risk. And that should lubricate basically every interaction in our society. That's what I think. On the other side, I have to be honest with you. I don't know that the average individual in advanced societies, in developed economies, in less advanced societies, in developing economies will ever really come face to face with the underlying blockchain technology themselves, right? I just don't know how it will be easy. I don't know that it will be easy to exclude a fraction of the society because they don't understand blockchains. Because I have to, this is fairly difficult stuff to understand. And I think what we're, as not just as an industry, as all of us that are trying to implement it, we are probably going to try to gain all the potential um, benefits of it, I don't know how much we will be explaining to the users of that technology, but I think if we have done our job right, they will understand some of the benefits and they will enjoy some of the benefits. So will everyone have a smartphone? Maybe not. But I suppose it is a little bit of a divider in our society, but there are so many other areas where the internet and you know rapid communications via email and the ability to analyze data, large amounts of data quickly have benefited people who have neither access to the internet or computer or anything else. So I think a lot of the benefits of blockchain will bleed through the system. And I don't want to say trickle down because that has negative connotations, but I think, you know, it will, it will have a, a global effect if we succeed in applying these technologies where it makes economic sense. Brian, thanks. Thanks again for that, uh, for that response. I think I would have responded in, in a very, uh, very similar way as well. It's very difficult, I think, to state whether one technology will solve all the problems. Um, and even when you apply the concept of GDPR towards what blockchain may have been meant for, in many ways, when you look at the characteristics that you defined, when we talk about this personalization of data, when we think about even some of the innovations that are coming out of Silicon Valley and other places, it would be natural for us to state you know, blockchain is a good solution here. And, you know, to your point about legacy technologies, 
there may or may not be a place for them immediately or in the future, but it remains to be seen. It does lead, however, to an interesting question and one that I've struggled with a little bit, which is that blockchain as I see it is more than simply the technology. There's a process element to it as well. And whenever I think of process, I naturally start to think about behaviors. In this case, you mentioned something much earlier in our conversation, and that was around the regards of collaboration. The increase in collaboration through the use of blockchain technologies, and I took that as perhaps blockchain could incent human behavior in a specific way or manner. I'd be curious to hear from you. Do you see blockchain being a change agent for incentivizing more collaborative human behavior? Or do you see blockchain really being a technology and that that incentivized behavior is more of a consequence and not a direct focus of the technology? Very interesting question. I think that you know, whenever we look at economies, and they are generally the sum of all of the interactions and transactions between individuals, entities, organizations. And I think the ability of a blockchain to, um, to lubricate those individual transactions and to make them less risky at the outset and less costly to undertake, I think will change behavior. I think that um, whenever the amount of information that you have and the certainty that that information is at least valid is, is there, that will allow the individuals to, to decide more freely about their next step without the need for, without a need for, um, you know, verifying things or with a little bit less of a risk benefit and appropriately minimized analysis of risk benefit for each individual transaction. I think just as a real world example, there are many petrol stations that don't accept $100 bills. <laughs> You know, that has many different cascading sort of um, impacts beyond, you know. So if I need to carry large sums of money, then I may have to have my pockets very full because I have to carry 20s all the time because I can't use my $100 bill. But that $100 may be valid or not valid. So I think the idea of having a little bit more certainty before you engage in a transaction will naturally change behavior. And I think that probably my suspicion, it will make life easier and more rewarding. That's, that's my sense. So, yeah, I mean, we start with implementing the technology. I think what we will have to, ha what will have to happen next is that people will need to gain comfort with the benefits of those technologies whether or not they understand the underlying technologies, once they, under, once they gain that comfort with the new benefits that they have, they will naturally change their behavior to reflect uh, the new circumstances. And 
it, it is partially a change agent, but I can see very um, organically people changing their behavior and organizations and entities changing their behavior because as they enter into a transaction or an interaction, things are just a little bit more certain. 